0: Hard to Believe is proud to be a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more of this and other great shows, head to cageclub.me. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at john at cageclub.me, or you can find me on Twitter at probablyrealjb. That's P-R-O-B-A-B-L-Y-R-E-A-L-J-B. The show is written, produced, and edited by me. Today, I'm joined by returning guest Rolling Stone senior writer Alex Morris, who's going to talk to me about the impending decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, which may well have been handed down by the time this episode releases, if not in the coming days. Morris has written extensively about the American evangelical movement and the conservative movement and her work has also looked at the way those two forces have combined to stage an assault on reproductive rights. So, today we talk about some of the misconceptions about the religious angle, the key players, the success of propaganda campaigns, and why, in taking on a new fight, it's essential to know what the real obstacles are. I'm John Brooks, and this is Hard to Believe.
1: Let's talk reproductive rights.
0: Let's talk that's reproductive. That's a lot more
1: rights. fun than <laughs> yeah.
0: COVID. Especially right now. Um well welcome back then, because you're a, on a short list of people who are making more than one appearance <laughs> on this show. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, so uh, honored.
1: That's
0: awesome. <laughs> um and we always talk about super fun things, I guess. Um <laughs> so
1: my beat. Super yeah, fun.
0: Super fun stuff. Well, you do get to do fun stuff
1: this is true yeah this is true. <laughs> but i don't i don't get invited on podcasts for those
0: uh, that's that's true well okay i'll just, I'll, I'll invite you to talk I just about attacked on
1: Twitter. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you, can't, you really can't win um <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that you do uh to refresh everybody's memory alex was here Last year, talking, we talked about um, the sort of shift in the evangelical attitude about climate change, especially in young people. You cover uh, that intersection quite a bit. You cover the sort of intersection of politics and the evangelical movement um, in a lot of your writing. Um,
1: Indeed, yes.
0: And I wanted to talk to you because I kind of thought it would be this week i have some theories as to why it wasn't but really any day now especially after um this episode is live uh i think it is a foregone conclusion that the supreme court will be uh gutting roe versus wade if you have a different conclusion alex i'm happy to hear you out (laughs) but i assume you're sort of on the same wavelength
1: I, i i think that's a safe assumption yeah yeah. I think we should operate under that assumption for now.
0: Right. And even if the the, the leaked um, Alito uh, decision is not the final text and there is some sort of more watered down overturning of Roe, um, it, it seems that regardless, most of the states in question, I think there's 23 states that are automatically triggering anti-abortion laws, that um, mm-hmm. they will be basically free to do so.
1: Yeah. About half the country is is probably, you know, pe- about half of the states roughly are going to immediately, you know. Um, well, I, I think there will also be states where there's a pretty robust um, sort of legislative and legal debate about what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, we will land ultimately on about half the states in the country, um, limiting abortion access to such an extent that it is essentially um, unavailable to women in that state.
0: Yeah, we should say also that not necessarily population-wise half of the country, um, right. right? And I, the two big ones obviously here are Texas and Florida, which have a big chunk of the nation's population. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Florida is a state that tends to swing a bit more than Texas does, or at least it has in the past, but Texas obviously is a place with a pretty entrenched conservative um, government. So uh, it, it's kind of hard to know exactly what's what's gonna happen there. Um, but as to you, I one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I think it's still important for people to understand some of the ways in which we got to where we are today. And I think if we're going to um, do something in response to this shift, um, that we need to know why it happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. over the last uh, decade or so, y- you have been covering... Things like the the sort of assault on Planned Parenthood, um, and and the way that uh, this sort of Republican and Evangelical coalition has chipped away at at reproductive rights, in so to 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 the extent that what's happened right now in the Supreme Court is the result, I think, of all of that. Right? Is that fair Mm -hmm. to say? At
1: one hundred percent, yeah. I mean, this has been a concerted effort that really, really grew out of the desegregation movement. I mean, I think, I think that's a point that gets missed a lot with this yeah. is that the, these Christian coalitions really, and, and this huge um, conservative Christian voting bloc was initially rallied around fights against desegregation Um Jerry Falwell had a Christian college that he did not want to have to admit, um, people of color into. And he, he had always, I guess I should go back a little, you know what? I feel like I'm being a little unclear here. Let's go back to the beginning. (laughs)
0: Let's go back to the Bible. Yeah.
1: Let's go back to, right um on the first day
0: um in the beginning in the beginning jerry falwell created racism i mean it's
1: kind it's kind of he did obviously create racism but he created a voting block that was built around racism right um and so you know where should i begin
0: how, do, how about I give you a place to start? Okay, perfect. <laughs> How about we do that? Thank
2: you. So, <laughs> I'm so glad this isn't live.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, no, and for anybody listening, this is really complicated. And it's really complicated in a way that a lot of people who talk about it, I think they, they skip over so much of the stuff or don't even know that this was not always the evangelical cause to So let's let's just go to the Bible real quick. Um Sure. The Bible does not say much about abortion, which is why um, evangelicals didn't really care very much about it for a very long time.
1: I think that's the important point. I think when we go back to the beginning of the story or how evangelicals got involved in this issue, I think the point that I and others try to make is that this is an invented issue. This Mm -hmm. was not always something that evangelicals cared about. I mean, it was certainly something that Catholics cared for far more about, um, up until, re- you know, within the past few decades, really fa- fairly recently. Um, the, uh, you are absolutely correct that abortion is not mentioned much in the Bible to the extent that it is mentioned. Um, there is, a, there are some passages that people believe are actually prescribing. They're, they're telling you how to perform an abortion,
2: right. um, absolutely. in
1: instances where, Um, There was, you know, perhaps infidelity (laughs) and, and, you know, the, the way that you deal with that is, you know, you get rid of the products of that um, coupling. Um, So, you know, I think that um, initially when these Christian coalitions were coming together around this issue Um, it was because they had lost the desegregation battle. And they had not really been that involved in the political sphere until that point in time. Um, Jerry Falwell had been pretty clear that he didn't think that religion and politics should mix for quite a while. And then he, you you know, was running a a Christian school, and he didn't want to have to desegregate it. And so he realized, you know, oh, this is the moment that I should sully my hands and get involved in the dirty, worldly, political realm. And he went on a bunch of tours called, the, I, I believe they're called the I Love America tours. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of like, it was, <laughs> it was like kind of rallying this voting block for, for really the first time. Um, and What they were rallying around was the issue of desegregation or their, you know, or their desire for that not to happen. Um, They lost that battle um, pretty grievously in their minds. And um, but what they realized is that, okay, we've lost this battle, but actually. Like we have this power that we didn't realize before that maybe we had, or we should involve ourselves in the dirty worldly realm of politics in a way that we didn't think we should before. I mean, essentially, I guess people got a taste of power and they didn't want to give it up. And so my understanding is that there was literally a meeting of religious leaders um, and political operatives, let's not forget. Um, Because they were very involved in keeping this voting block um, or or growing this voting block, um, despite the fact that many of them were, in fact, not evangelical themselves. Um, So they got together. They literally wrote ideas down on a, in my mind, it's a blackboard. I think I've read that somewhere. (laughs) Maybe it was not. Maybe it was something else. But, you know, they were literally writing out different um, wedge issues that they you know could could be used to keep this voting block growing and um one of, and and the most sort of politically expedient one, and the one that they thought would be the most powerful in terms of the evangelical imagination was abortion. So that's how we ended up in this moment we're in right now. It was a it was a calculated um effort to grow a voting block. Um, And it has been incredibly effective at doing that.
0: Yeah. And, and before that, (laughs) one of the things that I think is really interesting about the makeup of the court and the, the, the sort of dynamics of this long game is the Catholic presence that is (laughs) really the one responsible for um, the overturning of Roe and the complicated relationship between Catholics and Protestants, especially Um, Well, not just especially in America, but over the last several hundred years, um, (laughs) making that that something of an irony. Um, And and to just to clarify as well that, you know, people, Catholics don't rely on the Bible in the same way that Protestants do. And so, like, you can teach something in Catholicism that has... um, Authority that doesn't necessarily appear in the Bible. So, so the mm. the Catholic extrapolation that a soul is sort of pre-existent and enters into the body upon conception, right, is a a, a, a theological doctrine that mm-hmm. is not supported in the Bible, and that's why generally Protestants didn't really care so much about it, right?
1: Well, I think there's, I think there's something else there too. I mean, there there's there's a long sort of um history in protestantism of this idea of life and breath being connected you know god yeah. breathed life into adam um yeah and and so i think you know this it, it's hard to even fathom a moment when um this idea of life beginning at conception wasn't part of the evangelical agenda um but yet that there they're, it, it very much was not always a part of the evangelical idea or worldview. Um again, like that that's part of this sort of fabricated um narrative that's that's been used. I but I do want to stress as well that although that is how evangelicals got involved in this issue, it is not where they are now. I mean now there right. are people, <laughs> you know, this right. is <laughs> um there are people who really truly believe that this is a huge moral issue and not just a moral issue for an individual but a moral issue you, you know i think um a lot of people who aren't in the evangelical world are like well why do they care about what other people do with their bodies you know it doesn't right. affect them um if you don't want to have an abortion don't get an abortion it's not that complicated but the there are I believe it's 41% of Americans believe that Jesus is going to return by the year 2050. And when Jesus returns, it says in the Bible that there will be a judgment, not just of individuals, but of nations and somehow Christians judgment or how they, how God deals with Christians. And this it's sort of unclear exactly how this will happen. If you also believe in, you know, individual grace and salvation, but somehow the fate of Christians will be, or could be tied up in the fate of the morality of whatever nation they're in. Right. So if you are, if you live in a nation that, um, allows for condones, um, abortion or, you know, other things that, that evangelicals believe to be sinful, then that could actually be really bad for you when Jesus comes back. So it is actually in some ways a personal, um, salvation issue to some people. Um, or at least, you know, is tied up in how they may be dealt with in, in the second coming. Again, very unclear exactly how all that's going to work. Cause also I guess Christians are going to be spirited away. Um, and everyone else will be left behind, but, But this, you know, there's not, there may not be a a, a true coherence to it, but it is something that people believe. And it's a verse that you will hear, you know, quoted and um, sort of bandied about.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you said all of that because what I was, what I was wanting to get to is this idea. Well, that first of all, you know, I, I I think it's, it's worth rejecting the idea that like um, Christian doctrine or dogma is fixed and that you can't authentically um bring on something new and so while it is true that um this all kind of started with the uh the sort of far right fundamentalist evangelical movement in a kind of a cynical way um it doesn't work unless it emotionally resonates with the flock right and and like Mm -hmm. that definitely does seem to have happened as well you can't really get something to stick with people unless you can get them to feel emotionally connected to it and so it'd be wrong to say that like the anti abortion movement i think even broadly among evangelicals today is a cynical one right oh, I, I do definitely think it's still, not. i think it's rooted in patriarchy for sure but it's not like it's not cynical among the the everyday person oh no
1: it is definitely i mean these they, these are people who truly are heartbroken at the idea that babies are being killed in this country. I mean, I don't think, you know, I think there are certainly cynical aspects to that when people say, well, we'll just adopt all the babies or we'll just take care (laughs) of all the, you know, like, okay, well, how, how many babies have you adopted? Like sometimes they have, you know, but um, like some people actually follow through and they, and they, they do these things, but most of the time, um, you know, it's, it there, there's a lot of Rhetoric and not a ton of action. Um, never mind the facts that you know. <laughs> never mind what Amy Coney Barrett might say about it. Adoption does not fix the problem. Um, buying lots of diapers for a, a new mom doesn't solve the problem. You know these are these are band aids on a. <laughs>
0: Uh, right, and uh, pregnancy is not a breeze either. Like, it's, it's not just right, like right. N- nine casual months of nothing, it, you know. Um, uh, it, if someone who that. spent
1: three months um, waking up in the middle of the night to throw up, I will yeah. agree with you there, John. <laughs> <laughs> but but I also, I mean, sort of going back to this historical moment where this shift happens and, and the cynicism of it. Again, like I think we have to talk about race there because yeah. white evangelicals were not really that concerned with abortion when they thought it was mainly happening in communities of color. Yeah. And then the way that um they talked and messaged about it really changed when it became this idea that white women were having abortions. Um so it's it's so painfully wrapped up in racism, um, kind of from various angles, that it's, you know, it it really does have this incredibly kind of ugly uh, genesis in the country. That said, has definitely um, evolved, as we discussed before.
0: Yeah, and there's a ton of, you know, kind of great replacement theory um, wrapped up in that as well. And then if you also just want to look at the if you want to call it the opposite of abortion, you know, the, the quiverful movement, right? Which is rooted in the same basic idea that that if you are, a, you know, good nominally white evangelical family, you need to reproduce as much as possible to sort of counteract this genocide happening from interracial marriage and or abortion that is soon to wipe out the good God-fearing White Christian family. I I think that's a really kind of useful. You need to
1: populate the earth. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and specifically you, and not you know. Yes,
1: you, you, not (laughs) anyone else. Just you. You,
0: you know who you is. I I also like I I, in kind of the benefit of the doubt sort of thing. um, You know, a lot of observers have said that one of the reasons why um, this worked so well for the evangelical movement. Um, Was because it coincided with um, advances in technology that make us much more aware of the various stages of fetal development. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as human beings, we've like we've evolved to see human beings even when they're not there sometimes. Right. That's like part of. Mm -hmm. So so when we see a fetus and we sort of our, our brains identify something as like recognizably human um it makes it a lot more difficult to rationalize and or sort of present the um the scientific fact of like what you're actually looking at right which is like it might look like a human but like it's not in any sort of meaningful way but there's this emotional sense that it's a human and that seems to have complicated the um the situation i mean what do you make of that do you think that that's one of the reasons why it worked
1: it's totally one of the reasons why it worked i mean i would I would push back a little bit against um I think that on the left, a mistake that's made a lot of the time is um to just discount the um you know just be like, oh, it's just a clump of cells or whatever sure. it's not it's not and and like you know medically speaking there's you know i will there's a point of viability. I mean there's there's medical facts that are involved here. Yeah. Um, but I think what gets really lost in in that debate that's that's actually important to me is the is the autonomy of a woman who is a fully formed <laughs> and sentient being at that right. point in time. Yeah. Um and that, you know, I I think the anti choice and the pro-choice sides are often I mean it's like this battle it's this fight apples and oranges thing right like you can't actually have a discussion about it if one group if you can't agree on the actual like premise of what is happening um and so i'm like you know i may think whatever i think about it but to engage in this debate with this person or writ large as a nation i think we have to be able to say like okay well maybe there is a potential life human life there um it's certainly you know not viable for much of a pregnancy um but let's but let's operate under that that you know let's let's say that so then how do we make a decision that weighs that that potential life against the the woman the, the mother's life um and i think there's a real you know i i think that there's a very like a very feminist Obviously, there's a feminist issue, um, but I don't want to brush aside the feminism, the, the the feminist strengths of that argument. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, by not by just being like, well, it's just a cluster of cells, and we don't we don't really have to engage <laughs> beyond that. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know if that answered your question, but uh, but but to answer your question, yes, this this these images are have been powerful for this movement. And they know they've been powerful. And that's why they've legislated in so many areas that you can't have an abortion without doing an ultrasound. Um, Because that's, it's supposed to be a compelling um, emotional way to get women not to make that choice.
0: Yeah. And I should also note that a lot of the images that get um, pushed around in the um, anti-choice circles are fabricated, or not right. accurate, yeah, <laughs> and or sort of mislabeled as to what they actually are, yeah,
1: right, right. You know, you've got like a four-week-old embryo that has like eyelashes or
2: something, <laughs> it's like a bow. <laughs> <It's> like, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: well, to your point, I, 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 you know, one of the things that when when um, the case was being heard. Uh, I think it was Kavanaugh who who said that. Well, you know now, or maybe it was maybe it was Alito. I don't remember. But but basically, one of them said, "Well, you know, you got you got two people to to think about here." And it's like, well, but you don't. <laughs> like,
2: and and right. that's the thing
0: right. is that is that look, I can I can you can have a whole discussion about um, when something develops personhood or what you know. It's it's all very philosophical. It's not mm-hmm. scientific. Or like. When a person really is life has started, you know you're 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 born with all of your eggs, right? So like you're technically as old as your you know mother when she was, you know what I mean? And so so there's there's all kinds of ways that you can have that conversation, but it's also just like, do
1: we roll this back to masturbation?
0: Yeah, uh, (laughs) God forbid, because (laughs) right then you're getting into and like why the hell not? Honestly, um you should be able to make that that, argument, right?
1: You, you, I, I think honestly, and I have I have said that to people yeah, like if you to. if you are if you're making this argument then i'm sure you don't masturbate right. god
0: you, forbid yeah you know millions of um, lives so using That's magic.
1: that's a, <laughs> yes millions of potential you know that is human <laughs> dna there, right there <laughs> yeah um yeah but yes no i you know i think this there's two lives to consider you know i do I do think that liberals need a way of pushing back against that Agreed. argument though yes. because that's the argument, right? Yep. And if we're not pushing back against that in a in a logical and compelling way, then we're just two groups talking past each other, you know um and I do think that there's a logical way to approach that argument head on um but it requires, you know, a li- maybe a little bit more nuance than this debate usually gets.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I have heard um, you know, very uh pro reproductive rights feminists um that I interact with make the argument that like look, it's this is a matter of existing sentient life matters more than potential life. Like full okay, stop, right. end of story. Like that's that should it's take precedence
1: value women
0: like <laughs> right which we don't do very well
1: doesn't have to be that complicated right right um and beyond that i mean you know you the the way that we think about embryos and fetuses is endowed with so much meaning that doesn't that that we are putting on it you know, you know um yeah you know it's anyway we don't have to get get into all that well, but it's it is very
2: philosophical <laughs> let's,
0: let's let's get back into the into the more tangible <laughs> stuff i i one of the things that you have you've written about about planned parenthood quite a bit and um i think this is interesting because at some point in this conversation planned parenthood became shorthand for this whole like that term became shorthand for this whole um political uh uh fight uh Mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and that somehow the right was able to just equate planned parenthood with this sort of imagined mass abortion industry thing that is part of the um sort of propaganda campaign um and a lot of people may not know that Planned Parenthood used to be very well supported by a bunch of Republicans, right? But either way, uh, this, this didn't used to be a controversial organization, right? Um, right. And right. got turned into this, this abortion death squad, according to the right. Um, how did that happen? In, tra- in as brief a way as you can possibly tell that story. Um, how and why...
1: I think one answer is patriarchy, right? <laughs> um,
2: like, <laughs> sure. We don't,
1: we don't have to concern ourselves with women's health. Um, you know, like the, the women's health can be, can, can be, uh, can, what's the word I'm looking for? In the interest of this um, political and religious crusade um it's totally fine for women's health to be a casualty an innocent casualty right um and so i think that's what you know it's a it's a lot of what you see in attacks on planned parenthood which is a huge medical resource for many women in underserved communities um you know if if planned parenthood shut down like where like overnight um but it would be a disaster <laughs> you know there's there's areas where planned parenthood is the place women go um and men too sometimes to get medical help and attention so um so yeah patriarchy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question, but it answers a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> no, it kind of does. Be. Planned Parenthood is or was, I, I don't know if it still is, but the largest um, provider of, of health care for women in the country. Right. And, and as such, I, I, I suppose, because a lot of plan, Planned Parenthoods perform abortions, it's just an easy it's an easy target. I, I don't know if it's if it's right wing propaganda that Planned Parenthood Um is the largest provider of abortions maybe it is um and maybe that sort of helps explain it but i think you make a very important point that the rest of it can be overlooked because it doesn't matter because women's health doesn't matter because ultimately women are, women's autonomy doesn't matter mm-hmm. and or is in fact a hindrance to the sort of world that is um is 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 being crafted here
1: yeah. Well, and also let's not forget that actually a lot of what Planned Parenthood does is um, contraceptive care, you know? So um, going, I mean, going against Planned Parenthood has always seemed very, really counterproductive to me. Mm-hmm. If you're in this fight, you know, you I, I would, I mean, maybe not so much on the Catholic side, but certainly on the Protestant side, Protestants do not have moral hangups about contraception, at least most, I mean, a, a lot of Protestants don't, um, and uh, I I just, you know, if, if people have access and education, then we know that that cuts down on unwanted pregnancies, and interestingly, I don't know if you heard this news, John, but I think something just came out that the rates of, a, despite all of the attacks on uh, access to abortion care in the country that are going on right now, and they are legion, um, abortions are actually going up mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time, mm-hmm. from like around 18% to over 20%. So whatever's happening isn't actually working. Um, right. It is counterproductive.
0: Right, which some would argue is the point, or like not necessarily that's the point, but that it doesn't really matter if it works. Right, um, It's not about eliminating abortions it's about criminalizing them it's about punishing them right and like if indeed as you say right if your goal is to minimize the number of abortions that take place there's two things you invest in right women's health and education right reproductive Mm -hmm. access to reproductive uh medicine um and care and and education Mm -hmm. and like that's not happening um, by anybody right. who is who is trying to do away with with Roe, or
1: by school districts that are trying to get rid of you know health classes. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, I mean, no, I yeah. mean this. Yes, they're success- I mean, this is this is actually this is huge. Um, I I don't. It, it does make you look. I know people who feel very strongly about this issue in a way that is not cynical. But it does make you feel. I mean, it does take you back to the sort of cynical roots of of this whole story, which is like, what are we actually fundamentally after here? I mean, one of my favorite Christian writers, Rachel Held Evans, I, you know, has this famous quote that um, she's not she's not she's pro life, not pro birth. Um right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: you know, like we don't have to get into all of the ways in which um conservative e- evangelicals um sort of undermine whatever work they might be doing, you know, actually
2: um,
1: not not cynically doing. Um in in terms of sort of cutting back on abortion. But it, it does, it all does seem like, <laughs> it all does seem very cynical at the end of the day. Still.
0: Yeah. It, it reminds me actually, I, th- this is going back a very long time, but when, when, um, when Mike Huckabee first sort of made his, um, his debut on the national stage during the run-up to the 2008 election, when he was running for the uh, Republican primary, he had just Um, recently released a book and he was kind of rebranding himself. This seems like ancient history now, but he was kind of rebranding himself as a kind of pro-social evangelical Christian who cared about like alleviating poverty and investing in education and that sort of thing, right? Which Mm -hmm. also I think was just a cynical way for him to carve space for himself, right? Within a very Mm -hmm. Mm crowded kind of a field. Um, Mm -hmm. But he went on John Stewart when he was that was sort of a thing that he would do. Uh, when John Stewart was doing The Daily Show, and he, in an interview with John Stewart, Stewart was like, you kind of sound like a liberal in this book. And he goes, and he's talking about abortion. And he goes, well, um, unlike a lot of my, my colleagues, while I do believe that life begins at conception, I don't believe it ends at birth. And I was like, well, that's a really great thing to say. <laughs> and more yeah. people should say that. Um, yeah. But of course, like we know who Mike Huckabee really is, and that he didn't mean any of that stuff. Or if he did, he was willing to sell it out to to Trump and whoever else was was going right. to pay him, you know, more um, and give him more of a platform. But, um, yeah, like I I, I do think that there is. <laughs> I think part, I, w- while I am a, a, a abortion absolutist that I, I certainly believe that everybody should have reproductive autonomy at all stages, um, I also do think that there's something to be said of like nailing down this idea of what it is to be pro-life and that we shouldn't just abandon life as soon as it's born, right? And that yeah, like it doesn't yeah. end uh outside of the womb that it really it, it begins in earnest uh outside of the womb and I, I don't i don't see a ton of pro-life activists there are some but i don't see a ton of them um lining up to to expand medicaid and uh and um invest in public education
2: uh
1: right well i mean to your point i mean you actually mentioned something related relating to this earlier but you know i do think that. Um, the even the evangelical community, um, you know, hum- human life is is obviously a value, but there is also a belief, you know, that the sins of the father are visited on the children, right? Mm-hmm. So like, there's, um, you know, you you make a mistake and you you pay the price, and your your kids might pay the price, and your grandkids might pay the price, and that is part of God's plan, you know. Um, it does seem very cynical but there is a sort of dogmatic coherence to it as well um or at least you know that that can be found in scripture if one goes looking for it
0: um last thing i want to ask you i don't know if you if you have a lot of context for this or not um or just if you have thoughts about it but i i again i i alluded to this earlier um that i think it's so interesting that the Supreme Court, by and large, has had a um, overwhelming Catholic presence. It's like the only Catholic institution in this country. Mm.
2: Oh, yeah. We've had, mm-hmm. we've had
0: two Catholic presence, presidents, but the only, I mean, Catholic uh, civic institution, right, which kind of dominated right, yeah. by that. And it's it's interesting to me that at no point in this sort of long game that um, the far right has been playing, that they put a bunch of evangelical anti-abortion zealots on the court it's always these catholic zealots now i i assume a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's sort of um a, a built-in culture there right but mm-hmm. um i don't know what do you think about the way that sort of the this this alliance between kind of far-right sometimes anti-vatican to catholics and falwell-esque evangelicals is sort of uh uh you know evolved over the last couple of decades
1: that's such an interesting question i would have to I, I mean to answer it adequately i would need i would need to really think about it and and
0: sure <laughs> read, read
1: up but um but i will say that um this you know this is um this is an expedient choice Mm -hmm. that has been made Uh, because many, many conservative evangelicals do not believe that Catholics are real Christians. I mean, you hear it in those circles all the time, you know, that it's a mystical religion or it's a, it's, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it, it, yeah, it's, it's just a marriage of expediency because in this particular issue people want the same thing it is not a faith-based um meeting of minds Mm. i i would say at least on the evangelical side i i (laughs) can't yeah i can't speak for the catholic (laughs) side because i'm not as steeped in um you know and that religion and ideology
0: um before we go uh you you, as someone who who has sort of been chronicling this for a long time um and i who i I don't think what's happening right now is has caught you off guard um (laughs) by by any means Um,
1: it took this long for them to get here yeah
0: exactly but i think there's, there's a great deal of anxiety of people for whom this has kind of caught them off guard um I I can't blame them. It's not like the media does a great job of covering this stuff. But um, for those people, and and out of my own curiosity, because I honestly don't know what to think, um, Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
0: where do you think this goes next? I mean, uh, under the assumption that sometime shortly after um, people are hearing this, uh, Roe has been overturned. there's you know there's kind of a liberal fantasy of like this is gonna just make every state blue (laughs) and it's you know uh and we're going to legislatively uh protect reproductive rights forever and um i don't think that is realistic but um I i can see some kind of uh political revolution occurring here maybe i don't really know but i wonder what you um what your initial thoughts are
1: I mean, I I definitely think that it will bring some li- liberal voters out to vote or, you know, it, it will mobilize people on that side, but it's definitely going to mobilize people on the other side too. Mm. I mean, you know, you are energized when you feel like you're winning, when you're like, oh, our tactics have worked, you know, that's not when you stop going to the polls. <laughs> mm. That's when you show up in force to, you know, celebrate the win. Um, and the consolidation of powers already happened. I mean, when I think about like, where do we go from here? Like, what do we do? And, right. and this pertains not just to the abortion issue, but to a lot of issues. Um, you know, certainly, certainly the, you know, gun, gun rights has been, I think it's so it's so tied up in this of like oh well if we're going to value if we're going to say we value human life but we're going to let people you know <laughs> we're not going to like put any robot blocks up to crazy people getting their hands on assault rifles like what are we doing here but um i think that fundamentally when i when i get discouraged about these issues which i do frequently these days Um, What I come back to is the fact that we are in a minority rule country right now. Um, The will of the people is not being represented. The, you know, the large, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say vast, but large majority of Americans believe in abortion care and abortion access. You know, maybe there's differences of opinion of what that looks like. But it is an overwhelmingly popular um, right, <laughs> uh, and people view it as a right. Um, gun gun legislation is is really so it's supported by um, the majority. People do not want um, people with mental health issues having access to assault rifles. <laughs> like this is it's right. not rocket science most people believe in 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 you know having abortion access and regulating firearms in a way that we're not right now um and yet we're not i mean we might be making some headway on the firearms issue but largely the majority is not getting what they want um yeah. and i think if we're going to tackle these Individual issues. We have to get to the root of the problem, which is that this is a this is a democracy that's under minority rule. Um, you know, step one in combating that is certainly voting, um, but obviously this that can only do so much in a system that has been rigged by the people in power to allow them to stay in power. Um, so. Fundamentally, if, if we're going to really, really move the needle on these issues, we have to figure out how to have Americans, what Americans want, actually repre- represented um, by legislators. I, mean, <laughs> it's not, like,
0: I was really hoping it'd have an answer that I didn't, I, that wasn't that one. I
1: know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because, of course, that's my answer too, but I'm like, but there's got to be something else because that's too hard. You know, um, I do
1: have a magic wand. I'll pull it out. <laughs> if things get bad <laughs> enough. God. I'll pull it out.
0: Break glass.
1: yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, but I, but I think people i mean, we we have to be angry about the fact that we live in a minority ruled democracy. that's not yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. a true yeah. democracy right now. And I, mean, I
0: think that's I think that's happening a little bit. I think, I think it's happening.
1: Changed. I think it's happening, but I think people aren't angry about it enough. Um yeah. it is it's really it's really <laughs> messed up. It sure
0: is. Um all right. It's really We'll leave it there um, <laughs> on that happy note. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm just
1: gonna go dust my magic wand off a little bit, just in. Yeah. uh
0: Don't worry, everybody. Alex has a magic wand; it's all gonna be fine. Um, you also, you also write for Rolling Stone. Um, do you have anything new or or coming up that you wanna you wanna point people to?
1: I have a uh, true crime story. On nice. coming out in the July issue, yeah, it's totally different from <laughs> all the stuff that <laughs> we've been talking about. I wouldn't quite call it a palette cleanser, um, but it is. Yeah. It is. It is a good. It's a pretty. Um, it's a pretty good yarn. So check it out, everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when's, that, when's that coming?
1: Uh, that issue will be out July fifth on newsstands.
0: Awesome. Yeah. cool all right um alex it's been fun or whatever uh <laughs> it's been good i enjoyed talking to you and um thank you so much again you
2: too yeah
1: thanks for having me and I will...